This is the Immigration Conversation presented by Fragman, a series of talks and discussions by leading immigration lawyers and professionals from around the world. We'll bring you the most up-to-date business immigration news, issues of concern, and strategies in the world of global immigration and mobility. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Immigration Conversation. My name is Ramona Pereira, and I'm a Senior Manager with Fragments Asia-Pacific Coordination Center, which covers our immigration services into the Philippines. For today, our podcast will focus on the Philippines, one of the countries we cover in our APCC practice and its ever-changing immigration landscape. Now, there have been some interesting changes, uh, specifically from the Philippine Economic Zone Authority, or PESA for short, and we'd like to discuss the PESA visa, its requirements, its impact to businesses, and of course, our clients, zooming in on the understudy program requirement. Today, I am joined by the experts on this matter, our Philippine team senior consultants. We have Ethan Ma, Isabella Ang, and Missy Makil. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you for the introduction, Ramona, and hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Ramona, and hello to all our listeners. Okay, so to start off, Missy, could you give us a background on what the PESA visa is? Sure, Ramona. So in the Philippines, there are various categories of long-term work visa. The applicable long-term work visa type that a local registered entity can sponsor is determined by the setup of the entity and the government incentives which they may have. So local companies registered and set up under the Philippine Economic Zone Authority, or PESA, can apply for the PESA visa for their foreign workers if they will hire them for more than six months. Previously, the PESA visa was actually known as the 47A2 Special Non-Immigrant Visa, and the 47A2 visa was granted by the PESA together with the Department of Justice. On 11 November 2021, PESA and the Bureau of Immigration entered into a memorandum of agreement with its implementing rules and regulations in order to implement and um, exercise the authority of PESA to issue working visas to foreign employees of PESA companies, as well as their qualified dependents. Following this shift, the PESA visa is now granted by the PESA together with the Bureau of Immigration. Thanks, Missy. Now, Missy mentioned that the PESA visa now replaces the previous 47A2 visa. Bella, are there any significant changes of the features of the PESA visa as compared to the 47A2 visa issued by the DOJ and PESA? I think a notable change in the feature of the PESA visa is that the PESA visa now has a maximum validity period of two years as compared to the one-year maximum validity with the previous 47A2 visa. This we see as a positive change and helpful to both our clients and the PESA visa holders as they will not only need to renew their PESA visas after every two years instead of um, every year as compared to before. Yes, to add, based on our observation, we also notice a shorter processing time by about a week or so for the PESA visa application compared to the 47A2 visa before. That's a good observation, Missy, and definitely good news for our clients. Now, following this shift from the DOJ to PESA, have there been any changes in the requirements? And if so, what are these changes? So previously for the 47A2 visa, the apostille or authentication was not required for the dependents' marriage and birth certificates for their dependent visa applications. For the PESA visa now, we note that the apostille and authenticated copies will be required. 
These changes stems from the shift of authority from the DOJ to the BI. So we observe here that the BI guidelines seem to apply as this is a standard requirement for other work visa types granted by the BI, such as the 9G pre-arranged employment visa. Yeah, and also um, apart from what Bella has shared, another change to the parallel visa is the uh, introduction of the understudy training program or the UTP requirement. So this is where you know PESA registered companies are actually required to identify two local uh, understudies to train under their foreign employee during his or her employment period in the Philippines. This this UTP um, requirement was not actually required for the 47A2 visa and was only implemented for the PESA visa when this was introduced. I can see that there are a lot of differences between the 4782 visa and the PESA visa in terms of the process and the requirements. Ethan, could you tell us more about the UTP requirement for the PESA visa application? Yeah, sure, Ramona. This uh, UTP requirement uh, is typically fulfilled by submitting an undertaking document signed by the PESA registered company, the foreign applicant, and the identified uh, local understudies. As we have shared earlier, this UTP requirement is not actually new and has been embedded in the PESA implementing rules and regulations since its introduction. The, the, B, the PESA and the BI only started their UTP implementation from mid-2022. Um, so while this is actually part of uh, PESA directive to ensure knowledge transfer to uh, local employees, we do observe some degree of difficulties faced by clients to meet these requirements on short notice. You know, they have to um, start formalizing their training programs, identify suitable local employees, and we do see that this is actually particularly challenging for language-based positions. To add, Ramona, since the UTP requirement came into effect, we note the submission should be made to the PESA. However, effective September 7, 2023, the PESA has actually released updated guidelines on this requirement. That's right. In PESA's memorandum circular issued on September 7th, they advise that the UTP shall now be submitted in state to a different government agency, which is the Department of Labor and Employment, um, in short, the DOLE, the regional office which has jurisdiction over the place of business of the PESA registered entity. Also, we note that the UTP shall no longer be required as a prerequisite in securing the PESA visa. That's interesting to know. Uh, do we have any information on how the DOLE will be handling the UTP requirement moving forward? So as of now, the DOLE has yet to advise on how they will be handling this requirement, and it remains to be seen if this shift will be a change for the better for our clients and PESA visa applicants. Yeah, and also just to share our view on some of the recent changes we have seen from the current uh, Director General of PESA, we do observe that these changes are trending towards easing of requirements. You know, in comparison with the DOLE, uh, which Abella have just uh, mentioned, we have not actually seen changes to its uh, requirements, but we do observe that they tend to be pretty strict and there are many uh, workarounds to work with. Um, we will actually uh, monitor to see how the DOLE will implement the UTP requirement if at all. And we are watching this closely and we'll share updates once there are developments. Thank you for these insights. Uh, it seems the different government agencies, although they are dealing with the same subject matter, may have different ways of handling their requirements. On one hand, we seem to be seeing some steps taken to streamline the process and requirements. But on the other hand, we also don't see much alignment across the different government agencies that have shared responsibility over the visa process. 
And I think companies would appreciate having more clarity and stability with regards to the rules and processes. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. We hope this has been helpful to our listeners in understanding the PESA visa better. Like always, we expect that the rules in the Philippines to remain fluid, but rest assured that we at Fragment will provide the support that you need. Before we end, if you aren't already, you can subscribe to Fragment's client alerts to make sure you are notified with any new developments in the Philippines. Thank you, Ethan, Missy, and Bella for joining us today, and thank you to our listeners too. Thank you, thank you too, Ramona. The Immigration Conversation Podcast is presented by Fragment, the leading firm dedicated exclusively to immigration services worldwide. This episode is current as of the date of recording. With frequent changes in global immigration, be sure to keep up to date by visiting our website at www.fragamin.com and subscribing to the Immigration Conversation on your favorite podcast service to hear the latest episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice or give rise to an attorney-client relationship between any listener and our firm. If you have any questions, please contact the Global Immigration Professional with whom you work at Fragamin.